Hi, everyone. I hope that you are just as fired up as I am. I am super excited today. We've got Ash Roy. He is CEO and founder of ProductiveInsights.com, and he is going to be talking to us today about Facebook, using it as a marketing tool to increase revenue and growth in your business. So if you're interested in that, hang tight and let's get ready to get fired up. Let's get you fired up. Financially independent, retire early. If you're a small business, professional, or entrepreneur, and you're looking for a way to stand out amongst your competition, then this is the podcast for you. We focus on relevant digital marketing strategies and tools to help you stand out in your industry and become the market leader in your profession. Hey, we don't hold back on this podcast. We say it like it is. And sometimes you may not like what you're hearing, but I guarantee you, you'll know the information given is truly what you need to do to take your business to the next level. So hang tight because you're about to be fired up with me, Krista Mayshore. Welcome, Ash. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, Krista. Thank you very much for having me on. It's an honor. I'm super excited to have you. I'm going to tell you how I met Ash. So Ash um, actually has uh, has his own podcast and he teaches people how to monetize their podcasts. And he has um, interviewed some just really extraordinary people. Give us some of the names of the people that you've, that you've interviewed, Ash. Um, Rand Fishkin, the founder of SEO Moz. Neil Patel was episode number one. Uh, Amy Porterfield, episode 145. I'm rattling the names off and the episode numbers of Brian Clark and Sonia Simone from Copy Blogger. Brian Clark was 116, James Ramco, episode two, 152, and I can't remember the other one, 50. Uh, he's the founder of Superfast Business and many, many more. So it's so funny. Um, uh, Ash has got like this incredible memory. So when I talked to him, he was just sending me all these podcasts of people that were that had done podcasts on things that I was interested in. I could not believe how he just could memorize them, but he's just super passionate about what it is it does. And he is here to talk to you today about um, Facebook, Marketing, monetizing. So, you know, when, when I talked to you, you had told me some stuff that I didn't even know about Facebook. And I, it was, you just explained it in such a really awesome way. So I asked you to be on here. So tell us a little bit about what it is that you know about Facebook and being able to utilize it to expand and grow your business and be profitable. Right. So uh, Facebook is a very powerful tool because they have been collecting data for years and years and years. And I believe they have about 100 data points in each of their 2 billion users. Now, most uh, or a high proportion of those users log in every day and they, I believe, are tracking pretty much every click and pretty much every action in Facebook. What that means is that Facebook has the capability using things like machine learning and the ability to interrogate what is called big data at a very granular level Facebook is able to form some very, very strong and powerful insights into our lives, into our behaviors. And it is quite creepy in a sense. Uh, while this is not something I've read in a study or anything like that, I believe, my personal opinion is, I believe they can probably predict things like whether or not we are likely to evolve into you know, heterosexual or homosexual human being long before we ourselves know it based on our behaviors. And I'm not talking about just sexual behaviors. I'm talking about just certain things that we click on and certain preferences that we have based on the way they 
analyze the data, they interpolate it, they, they create these kinds of trends and relationships. It might just be that we like the color brown and that we voted for a certain person at a certain election that might reveal a certain kind of a um, trait that we are likely to have. Now, obviously, these are not 100% accurate, but in statistics, they talk about confidence intervals. And my understanding is that machine learning is able to predict with over a 90% confidence interval of, in other words, a 90% certainty that a person has certain inclinations based on certain things that they do. So and that- talk about machine learning, explain what you mean by machine learning. So because not all of us understand. So, so machine learning, and I'm a bit of a novice in this area, I don't know a lot about it, but machine learning is the ability for a computer to watch certain patterns that are already happening and then develop its own opinion. Now, this is not the same as a human learning because machines are not capable of learning uh, based outside of the data set as far as I'm aware. Uh, whereas uh, human beings have a certain emotional element to their learning, and they are able to uh, they're able to incorporate feelings into their learning, which makes things quite complex. However, machines can look at certain patterns and trend recognition, and then extrapolate on those trends or form what we would call a machine's opinion on those trends. So, take for example, addition and subtraction. I mean, you teach a machine how to add and subtract, and then they can create certain rules out of the data that you give it, and then do that at a much more advanced level and create, you know, infinitely more complex calculations, which our brains may not be able to calculate just based on those rules uh, that you have provided the machine with uh, around those calculations. Does that yeah, so basically, um, you know, Facebook has the ability to analyze your behavior to see exactly what it is that you're doing, how you're doing it, uh, when you're doing it, and then they take that information of what you're doing and they basically put uh, certain categories on you or you're more likely to do X, Y, or Z or you're more likely to be interested in something or not. And yes. that's the power of Facebook's algorithm is that it, you know, we as marketers can try to say, I want you to reach you know, these people in, in this area and they should have these interests. But quite frankly, Facebook knows more about who it is that we're trying to attract than, than we can even tell them to look for. They already, it's already, they're already doing that. Correct. So just to put some context around this, Facebook actually probably knows more about you and I, Krista, than we know about ourselves in certain respects. Um, so, you know, we might, for example, uh, have a tendency to say, go for a run every morning. And chances are based, if we're carrying our mobile device with us and we are running, Facebook probably can tell that we are running because of the speed at which we're moving. Or you know, if our phone is next to another person's phone that we meet this person on a regular basis, all this, these sorts of things probably form data points inside Facebook's data set. And then they can create, um, you know, predictions it's called predictive analysis they can make predictions about what we are likely to do based on 150,000 other Christas and ashes who have similar behaviors that and you and i Krista, don't have visibility on yeah over two billion people they're watching so imagine they're right watching and following around two billion people and then 
they're analyzing all this information and realizing this type of person that does this activity or does X, Y, and Z, then they're more likely to do P, D, and Q. Make sense? That's exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's where the predictive analysis comes in. So you and I, Krista, may not know that, okay, we have certain behavior sets that 150,000 other people in the world have, and then they, those 150,000 people go on to do this other thing. Mm-hmm. But Facebook knows that because they have the ability to interrogate this massive, massive, massive data set. We're talking 2 billion people multiplied by 10 uh, multiplied by 100 data points at least per person and then form opinions or predictions based on that behavior and that is why facebook is so powerful mind you i'm not talking about artificial intelligence destroying humanity i have no opinion on that uh, i don't know if that's going to happen or not but i'm just talking about the ability to crunch insane amounts of information that the human brain cannot crunch yes it makes total sense to me and i i just was able to kind of make it easier to understand because you're just so intellectually smart. So I'm saying it in an easier way for people to oh, build you're very it. kind. Okay, so, so, and you are just absolutely brilliant. So Ash, let me ask you a question then. So based upon um, Facebook and it being this amazing marketing tool, how do you, how critical do you think that it is to actually utilize Facebook as a marketing tool for your business, for any business? And well, why? I think, I think Facebook is, absolutely essential in business. Uh, You may not have a personal Facebook account, and I understand and respect that. A lot of people don't. Um, But in my personal view, if if people are deluded into thinking that because they're not on Facebook, they're not trackable, I think that's, well, yes, they're not personally trackable. But like I said earlier on, because of predictive analysis, Facebook can probably tell a lot about you just because you have 100 of your friends on Facebook. So my point is this, that even if you don't have a personal account, having a business account on Facebook is useful because you just, through their algorithm and through their machine learning capabilities, you have the ability to, by proxy, interrogate or um, have access to an incredible amount of very powerful information, which if you don't use, you are, you are at a competitive disadvantage because everybody else, all your competitors are using it. Well, and the same goes with Google. I mean, it's getting more difficult. It's getting harder and harder to actually um, reach people on Facebook. It's getting more expensive and it's taking more time because True. people are realizing just how effective and how affordable Facebook is. I mean, you basically, when you're utilizing Facebook or YouTube or all these different platforms, it's almost like you have your own little TV station right in front of you. Whereas before, you'd be spending thousands and thousands of dollars to get in front of people. And now you can, for pennies to the dollar, be in front of people in, in, a, in a very targeted geographic location, um, your exact target audience. And it just makes so much sense. But understand, it isn't a matter anymore of should I, it's a matter of it's a must. Yeah, you, it's in terms of you know competitive advantage and competitive disadvantage. But now I think something that's quite important is we start talking about customer lifetime value, customer lifetime profit, and so on. So to me, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, Krista, having been very successful yourself, it is more expensive to spend $10 and get $5 back in return on investment. Uh, in other words, you're losing money as compared to spending a million dollars and getting $2 million back. So... The, the point is not just the hard cost of advertising. It is really your ROI or your return on investment or, you know, return on ad spend. So the question that is important to ask is how much 
is my customer lifetime value. And I like customer lifetime profit even more because that removes the expenses. How much am I putting in my pocket after all my expenses with each customer? And then you say, well, how much can I afford to pay to acquire a customer? And so Facebook may not be expensive for you if you're paying $1,000 to acquire a customer, but your customer lifetime profit is $500,000. However, Facebook might be very expensive to you if you're paying a dollar per customer acquisition um, while your lifetime value of a customer is 50 cents. Absolutely. So if you're, if you're, you're listening, so what he means on is when you spend a dollar, if you spend a dollar to make a dollar, right, that usually is you're, you're, in, you're in a profitable place. If it costs you a dollar to acquire a customer, but you can't make a, that dollar back, then you're at a disadvantage. However, in most all cases of people, in order for you, to, you're, you're going to typically make money, um, depending on what your, your value offer is or what you're, you're positioning to the clients. For real estate, for example, um, one thing you need to remember too is it isn't jo just so much what's happening at that moment because you might, you're not going to be acquiring a customer immediately. It takes time. But the fact that they continue to see you, to know you, to like you, and to trust you, and you're developing a relationship with them over time, that's a whole different arena as well. So, so it might take a lot longer for you to acquire a customer because of how often buyers and sellers actually take action. But once you do, the payoff is huge. Yeah, and also another useful thing in terms of Facebook is you need to understand the platform and what's working and what's not. Like these platforms are evolving all the time. So right now, what's working well on Facebook is live video, for example, and that has been working well for, for about a year or two now. And maybe things will change again down the track, but you need to evolve with the platform. So if you're still doing only written ads, that still has value, but... I think it should be augmented with live video. Also with machine learning, Facebook, Google, these people have now the capability to listen to your video and transcribe the video and then form an opinion about what that video is about. So when you're doing live video, it's a good idea to try and not keyword stuff, but have the key words of that topic towards the beginning of the video so that Facebook, when it's, when it's, um, you know, listening to your video and forming an opinion, what the video is about, you get picked up as, Oh, Facebook will go, Oh yeah, this, this conversation is about Facebook advertising because they've talked about it three times in the first five sentences. You see what I mean? Yes, absolutely. So that, that means you want to make sure that when you are utilizing your content, number one, he made a few, couple good points there, Ash says that um, obviously that as these platforms evolve, we need to evolve as well. You can't just be doing written ads, you need to be doing video, and Facebook Lives are also very important. Um, and then making sure that when you actually are talking about your content, initially when you're talking about your content, you're saying what it's going to be about so that Facebook, as it's hearing or reading and listening to your words, knows it's about X, Y, and Z, and then knows who to push that content to. Who's exactly. going to be more likely to want to interact with that content? And very inevitably, in the beginning of your video, uh, you can actually say that, so it will pick it up. Great points. Exactly. To put this in a bit more context, Rand Fishkin, the founder of Mars.com, he's brilliant when it comes to SEO. Um, he, I remember, said to me, he's been on the podcast three times, so I don't remember which episode he, was, he talked about this on, but he said to me, Think about it from Google, Google standpoint. What does Google want to do? Google wants to give their 
customers their searches, the best possible search experience. So you as a content creator need to fall in line with their methodology or their strategy, which is to give the most relevant and actionable and useful content possible. Now, what does that mean for our live videos or whatever content we create? Well, if we create content that meanders in every possible direction and talks about 17 different topics, well, Facebook and Google are not gonna know what the content's about. They're not gonna know who to put it in front of and they're not gonna know what problem it's gonna solve. Whereas if we create content that is quite targeted, specific, and the conversation kind of, uh, you know, revolves around a specific topic area and follows a certain path which leads to some kind of actionable ideas towards the end so it starts with some kind of like an understanding overall understanding of the topic and then moves in a bit deeper there's a bit of how-to content in there there's a bit of you know what are the best action steps kind of stuff in there then that content is likely to deliver a better result so they over time are going to promote that content more than other content that makes so much sense. It, it, it's so, so true. You know, so many people are so afraid to niche. They're afraid if they niche that it's going to end up hurting them. But quite honestly, when you niche and you really target in and, and hone in on one subject, Google, Facebook, all these different um, social media platforms, they know where, who and where to put your content in front of so it makes the most amount of impact. And remember, in our videos, in our copy, in our ads, we want to be really trying to figure out how we can move people away from pain and towards pleasure. Those are the two things that make people actually want to act. You don't, you take an action not because you want to, but because you feel like it. You do what you feel like doing. So we need to make sure that we're reaching people's emotions as far as how are we making their lives better, keeping them away from pain or moving them towards pleasure in all of our marketing efforts. I love it, Ash. You're just, it's so great. So let me ask you a question then. So um, how do you actually, you know, what do you think about, about Facebook evolving over the coming years? What do you, what do you, what, in your opinion, what do you think are going to be the changes and how should we adapt to them? Look, um, I see machine learning being a big part, big part of that. And uh, I see, you know, voice recognition also being a big part of that, which is what I touched on earlier. So Facebook and Google are investing quite heavily in what was earlier referred to as artificial intelligence, but now they're talking about it more as machine learning. And that is basically the ability to listen in on video and audio conversations, form an opinion about what that content is about, and then present that content to people. Because people seem to be gravitating more and more towards video and audio content over just written content. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that the underlying principles of copywriting go away. I still think that when we create content, we still need to think of a good headline. It still needs to be to have specificity. It still needs to promise some kind of a result in the headline. And then the content needs to deliver on that promise. So those things still need to happen. But I do think that the way in which it's going to happen is probably going to change. So I see video becoming more and more prevalent. I mean, lots of studies are now saying that, what is it, 80%, 90% of, of traffic that is consumed is going to be video. People yes. are becoming increasingly lazy. They don't want to read. But then I see, you know, say subtitles and transcriptions becoming more and more important. And these 
platforms are going to get better and better at it. So that's going to become a little bit more of a skill. 80% of all videos are watched without sound. So it's really well, you your videos to have your transcriptions on the bottom of them because people are watching the videos while they're in a meeting or while they're on the bus and they don't want everyone to hear. So it's, it's, when they really shouldn't be watching them, they are. <laughs> so you need to make sure that you have the transcriptions on there so you're reaching the most amount of people. Yeah, and I also see another evolution happening around audio. There is a significant increase in people who are self-selecting into the audio medium. And I'm finding from my personal experience that they are quite affluent people because there's a correlation between time poverty and affluence. And a lot of these people are using what they used to consider dead time, like driving to and from work or while they're at the gym, they're consuming audio in those situations. So podcasts, audio podcasts are working quite well. The level of engagement in audio is very high as compared to video. Uh, video is typically, you know, say two to three minutes. Audio can be like 20, 30 minutes. Um, so I see those as being, you know, areas of evolution in the future. Something that I want to touch on about what you mentioned before. You said, you know, we are all driven towards pleasure and away from pain. The sad truth is, in my view, the way we've evolved as a species, and I believe in evolution, and uh, if you do, then you probably will agree with me, that the ones that responded to fear are the ones that survived and that didn't get eaten by the woolly mammoths and so on. Yes. So sadly, we are more responsive to risk minimization as compared to opportunity maximization in most cases. Entrepreneurs are a little bit different. We're a bit insane. We tend to go towards opportunity maximization, but most humans tend to prioritize risk minimization or risk mitigation of opportunity maximization. What does that mean? Well, that means a lot of, you know, fear-based advertising works well. Yeah. But I personally don't like it and I don't endorse it overly. I don't believe in doing too much of it. So, you know, things like the scarcity play, the, you know, warning, these ads with warnings and stuff. I think they can get a bit too old and they can start grating on your audience. So it's funny that all the research will show that the more that articles that are showing how you know things are happening how bad it is and that kind of thing they outperform they get more clicks more open rates yes and all of that much more when it's a negative headline than they do when it's a positive one yeah and that is that is sad but true but i believe that that is it's not good for our society to have that happening because we're starting to see an increase in nationalism as well you're on mute Chris. um I yeah the we, we're starting to see an increase in you know people in bubble thinking and very you know closed-minded thinking because we're just in an echo chamber now but anyway that's another discussion the point is when you do your ads i think you know use scarcity absolutely i'm not saying don't use it but don't overdo it because that starts to grate on your audience and while it may get a lot more clicks and while it get, may get a lot more engagement it actually can in my opinion create a negative association with your brand I agree. Man. You definitely have to do both. I think for me, I, you know, especially with what I do, we, we use a multitude of, of hooks to, really, to draw people in. Um, moving them towards pleasure, away from pain, mixing it all up. Sometimes even not even just doing one or just doing the other works, works, well, works well as well, you know. Did you know that I'm a published author? My book sells 100 homes a year. It's a bestseller, and it teaches real estate agents and lenders how to actually think about doing business in the 21st century. And I want to give you your free copy. All you have to do is go to www.kristamayshore.com/sell100. That's one zero zero. 
If you'd like to learn new digital marketing strategies, you've got to get this book and join the other agents and lenders whose businesses in life is being absolutely transformed. Go to www.kristamayshore.com slash sell100 to get your free digital copy today. See, I love Amy Porterfield's approach and she's a master or a legend at Facebook ads. She used to do Facebook ads. She doesn't do that very much now, but she's so good on Facebook. And a lot of her presence is very much about helping you to be your best self, not about, oh, you don't do this and you will miss out on this. She doesn't do too much of that. And I really like that. Yeah, I like Amy. She's awesome. She, She's she, awesome, yeah. Great, great marketer. Um, okay, so so Facebook. So, you know, I, I'm into the, uh, I really feel that right now that because Facebook is being used so much that people need to start thinking about other platforms as well and not just be so focused on one of them that now more than they need to be much more well-rounded. And, you know, for me, Facebook's always worked so well because I was an early adopter, early adopter on Facebook, early adopter on running Facebook ads, early adopter on video. But I'm really seeing seeing the importance right now of shifting my business platform to not just be so focused on Facebook and on other platforms like YouTube, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, because Facebook is being so heavily saturated. What do you feel about that? I think that's absolutely right. Being uh, what our common friend James Schramko says, single point sensitive is always a risk. So, you know, the other thing is, you know, you don't want to build your home on rented land. So there are some people, yeah, so there are some people who build their entire businesses on Facebook and then Facebook makes one change to the algorithm and they're gone. Similar things happen on Google. So my suggestion is build all your content and build your, your properties, your online properties on your website and have links on Facebook and Google and Instagram and wherever else you want heading back to your website, but make your website the hub so that if Facebook was to turn it off or do anything that, you know, jeopardizes your ability to reach your audience, you still have access to your audience and related to that point, absolutely build an email list. Yes, it's true. Email is a huge right now. One of the yeah. things I'm teaching is having a high emphasis on list building because you own that list. They can never take the list away from you. However, if yes. you're only working on platforms like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, if any of the remember MySpace, do you remember MySpace? MySpace was was used to be like the old the old Facebook. We never thought MySpace would go away. Now MySpace is completely gone. Facebook has taken over. If Facebook goes away and all you are relying is on, on Facebook and you don't own any of that information, your business is at risk. So you need to be really, really, um, you know, not so hyper-focused on one area. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to go down the content amplification route if you have a very strong following. Uh, in terms of your list and advertising in general, in my view, it is not the size of the list that matters. It is the engagement of the list, right? So yeah, Absolutely. If you, you could have 6 million people on your list, if no one's opening your emails and no one's relating to the emails, well, wh what's the point? You could have 100 people on your list and if every single one of them is buying every product you put out, you'll probably be in a pretty good position. So my point is, it is very important to build a deep relationship with your list uh, and that can be achieved by using intelligent tagging strategies, using my tool of choice is active campaign, but you could do that on any tool really. And 
it's possible to segment your list based on how they interact with their content. So every time they click on certain bits of content in your emails, you can put a tag in the back end saying, okay, this person put their hand up for this kind of content. So I'm going to send her more of this kind of content. And I'm going to send her less of this kind because she's never clicked on this sort of stuff before. So having an intelligent tagging strategy, and by the way, this tagging strategy can also be um, incorporated into your website using something called site tracking. So there's a whole lot of tools you can use, which kind of really can potentially make you Facebook independent and Google independent. You don't need to even do ads if you're really well engaged with your existing audience. You don't need a huge audience. You need an engaged audience. Well, and all the research and studies shows that when you produce content that is relevant to the person in their customer journey, where they're at in the buying process, and if it speaks their language, the more likely they're going to open, the more likely they're going to interact, the more likely they're going to keep on coming back. So it's so exactly. important to know what they're interested in and give them information and content that speaks directly to them. I used a good example that I said, you know, I'm 48 years old, probably going through menopause. I'm not interested in you know what hormones to take to get bigger muscles. I'm interested in how to avoid hot flashes, right? So, you know, if somebody's interested in hot flashes and or they're experiencing that, they're going to be looking to listen to content or react to content that speaks that. They're not looking at content that's you know learning how to get muscles when you're 20 years old or build. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just two totally different things. You have to be thinking about where your customer is in their journey. Simple question to ask yourself is what is my customer's problem right now? And how does that problem manifest in their life? How are they experiencing the problem in their life as they experience their life? And then you say, now, how do I solve the problem in their life in that context? I love that. Absolutely. Context is very important. Absolutely. And, I mean, you've got to solve the problem. Solving Sorry. the problems, absolutely. You've got to know who your customer is yeah. need, and how you can help them at all times. And I love yeah. I love the fact that you said that. Okay, so. Um, but just, just one more point, Krista, I wanna just emphasize, solving a problem is a very important and always has been, but I see the new evolution now being solving it in the context of their lives. It needs to be delivered to them like they want to experience the solution. Explain that a little further. Okay, so I'll give you an example. Uh, this was in a conversation I had with Joe Politi, the founder of Content Marketing Institute. Uh, how to create content that meets your customer where they are on their journey. If I'm selling washing machines, let's say we have two washing machine companies, General Electric and I don't know, can you think of another one um, that you guys have that does washing machines? We Whirlpool. have, uh, okay, yes, Whirlpool. GE and Whirlpool. So let's say GE uh, is writing these amazing articles, creating this amazing content about how their washing machines are the best in the world. They last for 20 years and they have these lifetime guarantees, blah, 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 blah. Now, here I am online looking for a washing machine, but I don't care that their washing machines are the best in the world. Right now, where I'm on my journey is trying to figure out the difference between a top loader and a front loader. So yeah. I put into Google, top loader versus front loader and up comes an article with a beautiful video and all that explaining to me what is a top loader versus a front loader it has this sliding scale you know where i'm asked it asks me questions like what is the average number of people in your or how many people in your family how how much how often do you wash blah 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 it asks me all these questions and then it makes me a recommendation and says you need a top loader now that chooser or that article happens to be on whirlpool's website who am i going to buy the washing machine from Horrible. Because they solved my problem in the context of my life 
at the time I wanted in the way I needed it. And that problem solution led directly to their offer. Got it. it And and they may not have the best, their washing machines may not be as good as GE's washing machines, but they solved my problem. They were more useful to me. Why would I even think of GE? Well, and that just, that just serves to speak that you, um, honey, I'm sorry, one second here. My daughter's here and I know you're asking the question, but I, um, yes, you can. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. We're having dinner probably around 6.30. Okay. Love you. Um, so she's been sitting here trying to talk to me for 10 minutes as I'm trying to talk to you and distracting me. So I'm just fine. I'm like, I just need to answer because she's not going away. Uh, so yes. Yeah, so you want to be able to create content that matches your customer where exactly they are in their customer journey. What, what are they going through right now? The more you can speak their language, the more they're likely to engage and interact. Absolutely great, valid points, Ash, as always. So let me ask you a question. So people that are just starting to think about utilizing Facebook as a marketing tool, um, what, would you, what would your advice be on how they can start? Um, so I have a nine-step business growth mind map that I use for my members in my membership site. And the first thing I talk about is getting an understanding of your customer and doing what is called an empathy map. So before you even think about Facebook, Instagram, it doesn't matter. What you need to think about is your customer or your target customer and develop a deep empathy for them. Empathy is probably one of the least or one of the most underused terms in marketing and probably needs, is probably one of the most powerful things. Steve Jobs had a deep understanding of his customers, which is how he came up with the thousand songs in your pocket campaign or the 1984 campaign because each of those campaigns solved a specific problem. 1984 positioned Apple as the challenger brand to IBM and it created this us versus them thing which allowed him to really launch the Mac. So how do you understand your audience at a very deep level and go a few levels in to understand that problem, not just at a superficial level. So here's a good framework you can try using, the five whys approach that Toyota uses. So why is my audience, why is my target customer having this problem? So you might have that first level answer. Then you ask the question why again. So let's say, for example, um, why is my target audience looking for, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example here and I'm having difficulty coming with it. So what about um, somebody's having difficulty um, buying a home uh, in a competitive market? Okay, perfect example. Okay, so why does my target customer, why is my target customer having difficulty buying a home? Uh, because the prices, home prices are very high and income levels are dropping. Why does my customer, why, um, why would my customer want to buy a home and not rent a home? This is not exactly following the five whys, but just work, just bear with me here. Uh, why would she want to buy a home and not rent a home? Because she wants stability and certainty in her life and she doesn't want to be at the mercy of some landlord who might say, hey, you might have to vacate your home now because I want to rent it out to someone else, whatever. Yes. Why does she want that stability and that certainty in her life? Because she has a couple of kids and a family. 
why does she have a couple of kids in a family? Because we are tribal creatures or we are creatures of, we, we live in, in tribes and we, that is of meaning to us and so on and so forth. And that takes you to a different vantage point yes. in your customer's life. And you're able to create a better solution because you understand them more deeply. You've taken the time to understand them. So that to me is the first step. And then you go on to doing things like um, creating an offer, which solves the problem at that deep level. And then you look at creating, uh, you know, walking that offer through in face-to-face -face conversations to get a deep understanding of the key trigger words and the key, um, you know, levers that help to convert the sale in that offer and, and to help you hone your offer, the copy of your offer. And then after you've done that, you start scaling it through advertising and so on and so forth. Oh, I, we'd love to get a copy of that. If you wouldn't mind of that, of that system to be able to offer to our listeners, that'd be great. Sure. Sure. I'm, I'm happy to share it with you. I, I, I take all my members through it when they first start my membership. Great. It's kind of similar to Dean Graziasi's uh, the millionaire success happens. He goes through like taking your why your seven layers deep. We keep asking yourself why, why, why? So you find out that when the real reason why you think you want to do something isn't even really having anything to do with, like what you think you want, right? Like people will say, I right. want to make more money, but really they don't want to make more money. They want to be able to create a secure lifestyle for their children. They want their children to be able to- Exactly. Exactly. But they were Exactly. Able to and you know, if you go deep on most wise, that's what we're all really here for, right? We just want to have a happy life. We just want to take care of our loved ones. And we want to, most of us want to do the right thing. Oh, I think so. Absolutely. Especially everyone listening to this podcast because we attract an awesome listener. Okay. So we're, we're kind of running out of time here. I want to ask you just a couple questions before we, before we go. Um, what book are you reading right now that you'd like to recommend to people and why? I'm rereading a book called The Alter Ego Effect um, by a guy called Todd Herman, who the I interviewed in an episode. Alter, the Alter, say it again. The Alter Ego Effect. Okay, the alter ego effect. He's he's yeah. Okay, perfect. So Todd, uh, Todd really made a big impression on me when I interviewed him on my podcast, and he actually used to coach Amy Porterfield once upon a time. Amazing guy, and the reason the book is so powerful is I have struggled with my own mindset issues for many years now, and uh, the alter ego effect allowed me to create what he calls an alternative persona which then allowed me to sidestep a lot of my own mental and emotional baggage that is necessary for business success. And I'm increasingly able to implement those principles. And to give you some context, uh, Beyonce had Sasha Fierce, um, David Bowie had Ziggy Stardust, the Beatles had Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. So it's not new. It's something that a lot of very successful people have used, the creating this alternative persona that then they activate using what Todd Herman calls, uh, Todd Herman calls um, artifacts or uh, totems. And that just allows you to just skyrocket your performance and just push past all your fears. Because so you- Where you see yourself as somebody different and kind of like this alternate person and you yes. put yourself in that, oh, I like that. So Todd Herman- Yes. The so Todd, for example, he has these non-prescription glasses. And if you look at the book, the book has got these pair of glasses on the front page of it, uh, on the cover of it. And he calls it his reverse Superman, you know, oh. because he basically says, well, you know what? I have my own challenges that I've faced through my life, but 
When I put these glasses on, I will honor all the qualities that this alter ego that I have developed called whatever he calls it, you know, I think he calls it something Todd, I can't remember. Um, <clears throat> and, and I will just ignore my fears and all my limiting beliefs. And I'm going to just push past all those fears, or I don't even have to push past them because they're not relevant anymore because I am this guy now. And then when he takes the glasses off, he can be back to his normal self again. I and eventually that. the two people meet in between, you know, the alter ego and the, the, the old person. Um, I you really recommend the book. What's so nice about that is that we all have, like, for example, I'm a coach, right? And I'm, but I'm also human. I'm a human being. I make mistakes. And sometimes I, I have to tell my, you know, I'll screw up and do something that I advise my students not to do because I'm, I'm normal. And then I'll think like, sometimes my mind will say, oh, well, you're a coach. You know, it's almost like you're being um, a hypocrite by, you know, by, by being a normal and making mistakes. And I have to remind myself, I'm always want to be the best person that I can be in business and in life. But life happens and sometimes I'm going to be human because I'm imperfect, right? And so instead of beating yourself up, reminding yourself that you are human, always try to be the best that you can be. But when you have those glasses on or whatever it is that you say, none of the other stuff matters because you're every bit of what you always preach to practice. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I recommend checking it out. I think it's uh, thealteregoeffect.com or maybe it's just alteregoeffect.com. But just Google the word alter ego effect. That's A-L-T-E-R. E-G-O effect or toddherman.me, T-O-D-D-H-E-R-M-A-N.me. I can't speak highly enough of the guy. Okay, I'm, I'm going to do that. You know me, I'm going to definitely be looking into that book. That's awesome. Okay, so that's your favorite book right now. And then um, last but not least, my question, how do our, our listeners find out more about you and what it is that you do so that we, they can look up Mr. Ashroy? So you can just go to ProductiveInsights.com and that's my main website, which hosts my podcast. If you're interested in joining my membership, you can go to GetMeToDone.com. This was a term created by one of my members because I got it done. And it's quite a simple URL to remember. Uh, but I currently am accepting founding members into the membership for a limited time. And I would love to talk to you about possibly joining. And he, so he helps people get podcasts and their podcasts up and running. And oh, yes. I didn't explain what I do. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. I help people to uh, get their podcasts up and running and get their podcasts really working for them in terms of building their authority. I also help people with growing their businesses using online and offline strategies. I love it, Mr. Ashworth. Well, you've been great today. I love all your insight about just business life and uh, Facebook and marketing in general. And I appreciate your time. I know you are from Australia. So right now it's a completely different time there than it is here. And uh, I cannot wait to have, have this episode air and to let the, our listeners just hear all, all about uh, Ash Roy and his uh, just amazing brain. We can talk for hours, trust me, four hours with him. So ProductiveInsights.com, Ash Roy, CEO and founder. And before you go, what is one quick tip you'd like to give to people? Um, wh what was that phrase? Um, whether you think you can or you think you can't, either way, you're probably right. I think that was Henry Ford, was it? Yeah, I love that. Yes, I think it was either Henry Ford or Rosa. Yeah, I think it's Henry Ford. But whether you th whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Right? Yeah. 
Something along those lines. Yeah, if you think you can, you're right. If you think you can't, you're right. So let's choose to believe that we can in everything that we choose do. Choose your thoughts. Um, yep. uh, sorry, I have to say one more thing. I was just watching the Bill Gates documentary. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Inside Bill's Brain. And he said, and I don't, I'm not quoting him here, but he said, you can only have a limited number of things you can choose to focus on in your life. Choose wisely. Uh, it's so true. I, energy goes where focus flows. I'm all about mindset. I just got done having a two-day student with my uh, two-day two with my students, and I, mindset to me is huge. I always tell them, and we can teach you any skill, but until you get your mind functioning correctly, it doesn't matter what we teach you. You won't be able to do it. So, super, super important to get your mind right. So, Ash, thank you so much. I so appreciate your time. Thank and you for having me on. Here. I'm honored. You are amazing, and everyone, um, look him up and be sure to share this with other people. And as always, everyone, when you do what you love, people love what you do, so make it a great day. And I appreciate you listening, and let's go get, continue to get fired up. But remember, listening is wonderful, but without implementation, it means nothing. You must implement in order for your life to make, to make a change. Thank you, Ash. Thank you for having me on. Did you know that I'm a published author? My book, Sell 100 Homes a Year, it's a bestseller, and it teaches real estate agents and lenders how to actually think about doing business in the 21st century. And I want to give you your free copy. All you have to do is go to www.kristamayshore.com slash sell100. That's one zero zero. If you'd like to learn new digital marketing strategies, you've got to get this book and join the other agents and lenders whose businesses in life is being absolutely transformed. Go to www.kristamayshore.com slash sell100 to get your free digital copy today. Come back and join us five days a week, every Monday through Friday. And be sure to check out kristamayshore.com backslash podcasts for free downloads and resources.